much movement in Hong Kong today after the big surge yesterday. Uh, futures markets indicating that the Hang Seng is likely to tag on about 0.1% at the open. In the commodities markets, uh, Brent crude oil is trading right now at $55.96 a barrel. Gold is at $1,843 an ounce. And that's it from me, the Money Talk, this morning. Please do join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned to Radio 3 for back chat with Hugh Chiverton and Janice Wong. The weather forecast for today, uh, it's going to be sunny intervals during the day, a maximum temperature of about 20 degrees. The outlook is for it to be mainly cloudy with one or two rain patches tomorrow. And then the weather will improve towards the weekend and it's going to be mild during the day. It's 17 degrees right now and it's 65% relative humidity. The time's coming up to 8.31. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. The outgoing U.S. administration has formally declared that Beijing's actions against Uyghurs in Xinjiang province amount to genocide and crimes against humanity. Speaking less than 24 hours before leaving office, the U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said there was an ongoing attempt to wipe out the Muslim minority group. Beijing has long denied accusations of abuse. Joe Biden's nominee for Secretary of State Antony Blinken told the Senate confirmation hearing that he agreed with that assessment and largely backed President Trump's strong stance on China. I also believe that um, uh, President Trump was right in taking uh, a tougher approach to China. Uh, I disagree very much with the, uh, the way that he went about it in a number of areas, but the basic principle was the right one, and I think that's actually helpful. The president-elect's main cabinet nominees have been undergoing confirmation hearings in front of Senate committees in Washington. In her testimony, Janet Yellen, the proposed Treasury Secretary, urged lawmakers to act big on the next stimulus relief package, despite the costs of a higher debt burden, and she promised to help all American workers. I will be focused from day one on putting into effect as quickly and efficiently as I can the relief in the bill that was recently passed and then over time working for a second package that I think we need to get through these dark times before the vaccination program enables us to go back to life as we knew it. A dozen members of the U.S. National Guard have been removed from helping to protect the inauguration following a vetting process. The Pentagon said at least two of them were suspected of possible sympathy with anti-government groups. About 25,000 guardsmen are expected to be on duty. Here's the BBC's Larry Madoo. I've walked around this city today and the perimeter has gotten wider around the capital, all the places that you can't access unless you've got some kind of security clearance. And all the cars driving in here is somebody in uniform, somebody who is in some form of law enforcement, secret service, the National Guard, the Metropolitan Police, the Capitol Police. That is what Washington feels like on the last full day of President Trump's presidency. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton. And I'm Janice Wong. Today we're talking about the elderly transport subsidy and the unemployment rate in Hong Kong. Earlier last year, the chief executive Carrie Lam announced that the $2 scheme, which currently applies to people aged 65 or above, 
would be extended to those aged between 60 and 64. A report from a government-appointed consultancy estimated that spending on the scheme would go up from $1.2 billion in 2018 to $8.6 billion in 2031. Now the government said it may make the basic fare $3 as it seeks to ease pressure on public finance, but it won't apply to travel restrictions in peak hour travel. What do you make of the scheme and its implementation? Let us know your thoughts, your questions and your comments on our Facebook page, Backchat at RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us, of course, and our number is 23388266. That's 23388266. After 9.15, we'll be discussing the current employment situation with Liberal Party leader Felix Chung, as the latest jobless figure reached 6.6%, the highest in 16 years. Uh, as ever, we have a variety of uh, uh, emails, quite a lot on the issue of uh, COVID and COVID-related uh, discussions. Uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll save those until uh, 9 o'clock this morning and uh, kind of do them thematically uh, altogether. Uh, also, uh, a handful of other emails on, on, on different topics. Uh, first of all, uh, Tom uh, says, uh, we were talking to Alan Zeman yesterday, uh, Tom says, would Alan Zeman endorse a plaque being hung in Lang Fong in memory of Melvis, who died recently? Interesting suggestion. Okay, Bowen is responding to uh, an earlier email uh, from uh, Herman. Um, Bowen says, Dear Backchat, contrary to what's stated in, Her- in Herman's comment yesterday, I did not complain anywhere in my message on Monday about the lack of constitutional rights in Hong Kong. I can only conclude that he hallucinated I'd said that because some vague feeling on his part that I opposed, as a matter of principle, the view that the basic law mandated the protection of Ding rights as practised under the small house policy. This pattern of thought is very similar to what Chief Justice Ma said about people's dissatisfaction with the result of a court ruling per se not being sufficient justification for criticising it. Herman is very probably someone like that. What's needed in the case of Ding rights, as implemented under the small house policy, is a thorough and in-depth evaluation of whether they are covered by the basic law and, if they are proved to be covered, finding to the greatest extent possible methods to implement them without contravening the public interest at large. That is from Bowen. And uh, Mary says... Our financial secretary warns the community that Hong Kong is facing considerable fiscal challenges and mounting government deficits, claims to be looking for alternative sources of revenue. The Transport Department has commenced installing state-of-the-art, by Hong Kong standards at least, parking metres that will allow drivers more flexibility and convenience. The scheme is costing taxpayers uh, more than $300 million. There is an additional recurring charge of around $50 million for annual maintenance. Hong Kong has the cheapest urban at-grade parking in the world. The metre charge is $8 an hour, while off-street charges facilities charge double-digit hourly rates. But drivers will continue to be charged at the decades-old rate that is completely out of sync with land prices and parking charges at private facilities. It encourages on-street parking when off-road would reduce congestion and delays generated by the dozen or so manoeuvres many local drivers require to enter and exit a parking space. 
face. That there is no increase in, increase in metre charges is scandalous. Does the FS believe that Joe Public takes his fiscal hand-wringing seriously when legitimate increases in fees for public services are not implemented? That is from Mary. Thank you very much indeed. Our email backchat at rthk.hk. Now joining us to discuss our first topic this morning on elderly transport subsidy, we have Andrew Leung, a former Director General of Social Welfare, and Dr. Hong Wing Tat, an Honorary Fellow of the Hong Kong Society of Transportation Studies. He is also an Associate Professor at the University of Hong Kong Civil Engineering Department. Good morning to both of you and welcome to the program. Um, Dr. Hong, maybe we can start with you. Uh, the elderly transport subsidy scheme was introduced in 2012. In your view, how successful has the scheme been over the years? I think uh, the elderly, you're talking about over 65, they all enjoyed it. Um, the, the drive for the change is actually the lower, the age of 65 to 60. But then what the government's proposing is, uh, I feel that it's a little bit um, illogical, if you, if you ask me, because first of all, if you waste, now there are two changes. One is that they would lower from 65 to 60. And then the second one would be to um, make the pay from $2 to $3. Now, if you're talking about from Three from two dollars to three dollars first. It means that the existing user uh, will. 冇错，我得唔得？我我好细声啊。Hello. Yeah, sorry. Carry on. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we we will suffer. So that that um would definitely leading to complaint of the existing users who are sixty five or above, and that is uh not improving really. Is actually uh, uh, we treat back um, government said it is for um, financial reason. Another one they were talking about is traveling at uh, not to control traveling at peak hours. Now, if you're looking at the um, cost of carrying these people, now you're encouraging them to travel really by uh, not paying the normal fee, but paying $2 or $3 for the elderly. So the elderly can travel at any time. Now, for an operator, for any of the public transport operator, the highest cost of carrying people would be at the peak hours. So um, by not limiting them to travel at the peak hours, it would mean that the, um, it would cause more congestion, really. Um, people would be more packed in, in MTR, in buses. Uh, so I, I think the government really has to think it over, the scheme, so to create a maximum benefit to the community, rather than some sort of reason that I, as a transport and engineer. I don't really understand the logic. Well, well, when it comes to the when it comes to the travel at peak peak hours, I think the, the administration said that uh, older people um, like to, quite often get up earlier uh, and like to travel earlier and get going earlier, uh, and that also between sixty and sixty five, many are still working, and this would be of great benefit to them to have. Uh, so they still got to travel to work. Yeah, 
Now, if they are still working, um, I think they have pay, right? So they can so afford the, it. The, the, rationale, the, the rationale of the scheme is that because these people officially retire, okay, 65, they all retired, uh, or 60, some of them retired already. So you just want to encourage them to have social life, social contact. So you encourage them to still be able to afford traveling, isn't it? So that is the logic. I mean, you have to work out why you do this, have a very sound logical reason why you're doing this. I mean, if you are still having a job, then why you need the subsidy? Unless you have a very low pay, then for the low pay ones, of course you can have all those uh, long distance travel. For example, you have the monthly ticket, that sort of thing, to subsidize. This is under another scheme for a traveling subsidy. But for this uh, elderly uh, traveling scheme, the, the basic rationale is to encouraging to still have a social life, go out and enjoy themselves. Um, so I, I really would like the government to think it over, the reason. Especially I really object to increasing from $2 to $3. It means that a lot of the existing elderly will suffer. Dr. Hung, the, the, the Labour and uh, Welfare Secretary, Lo Chi Kuang, um, earlier he, he suggested uh, that there has been an ongoing abuse of this uh, elderly subsidy. Uh, what's your view? Well, there's crime. Why don't the police take action? It's an enforcement issue rather than um, <laughs> doing this as an excuse. I don't see that it is. Now, now, if you, if you uh, lower it to 60, it already partly addressed this problem, if you ask me, because the people who, who would dare to, to sort of abuse it would be, you don't, you know, people look at you, they don't think that you would abuse it. So it would be from 60 to 65. Now, these people, um, they look elderly, okay? So if they abuse it, they, it's really difficult to, to check them. But if somebody, the youngster, for example, someone from, unfortunately, from university employer, who's very young, all right, and then they use such a, a car to pass through. You, you have the light uh, flashes, you know, if you use the um, elderly car to get through the gate. So it's quite easily you can spot these young people using the elderly car. The abuse is difficult to check when uh, they are approximately that age, especially for 64, then they would just... Uh, buy such a car and go through. And then it would be very difficult for NPR staff to check it. So that's just the, um, and I, I would, I don't know what the Dr. Law's um, statistics, I don't know whether they have a real checking. Who are the groups that would abuse it? I logically would think that would be the group from 60 to 65 because some of these people already retire and then they look Oh, they look elderly, same as 65. So 
if you lower it to 60, I would automatically think that a lot of these MPs would disappear. So it would be easier for for the MPR staff to implement it if you lower it to 60, because those young people who definitely would look much uh, uh, younger, uh, and then you would be able to to uh, support them. And it is a matter of enforcement, really. I I think current days you can quite easily do this um, uh, checking. And then I noticed that Dr. Law also said that all these people has to be personal cards to use it now. Of course, that would lower the abuse rate. But then, again, if, as for example, if I am uh, I actually an elderly now, if my friend, for example, from, from wherever around the world visit me is, they may be a little bit younger, 55 or something, I would say, for convenience sake, just use my card. Now, in the future, even if it's personal card, you can't stop people from lending their card to their friends, to their relatives to use. So there's still with the MPs. What they're saying is, uh, again, not totally logical. So if, you, if there's an abuse, of course, there's an issue of enforcement rather than um, you know, using it as an excuse to not doing things. All right. Now let's uh, go to Andrew Long, the former Director General of Social Welfare. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. Um, what do you think of the scheme? I mean, do you agree with uh, what uh, Dr. Hung has been saying? Yeah, well, I mean, generally, um, uh, Dr. C.K. Law, uh, the current uh, Secretary for um, uh, Health and Welfare, uh, Welfare and Labour, uh, was my opposite number uh, when I was Director General. Um, I, I, I mean, we didn't uh, agree on all things uh, during my time, but I tend to agree with him um, in this current policy uh, in relation to this subsidy. Now, um, let's um, be quite clear. What are the main objectives of this subsidy? Um, as um, my opposite number was saying uh, this morning, there was um, to en- encourage an active social life um, amongst the um, uh, generally retired uh, elderly people. But that's not the main uh, or the only reason. The second reason is, of course, uh, also to because the retiring age is, is 60, generally, um, and, and for most people, for a lot of people, uh, and then with the increased um, longevity, um, the life expectancy of the elderly, a lot of the uh, people aged 60 um, are perfectly capable and have a wealth of experience uh, to actively participate um, in the society. Now they could, of course, take up employment, but that's not the only avenue. They could um, um, uh, take part in volunteering work, in all sorts of social activities. And quite a lot of these activities are time-related. Um, you know, if you turn up for the volunteer work, uh, if there is a, 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 a time schedule, uh, they've got to meet it. Um, and so uh, by um, segregating the, this kind of subsidy uh, to off-peak hours um, would defeat this uh, objective. And then third, the third objective is, of course, because with the increasing number of the elderly, a lot of the people um, are not exactly poor. They have the spending power. And then by encouraging um, their active um, 
uh, uh, the flow of people around the economy. Uh, they go to restaurants, they go to visit friends, uh, they go shopping. This would um, add to the economy. So I think that there are three uh, main reasons there uh, behind this um, um, policy, behind this subsidy. Now, as far as the $3 is concerned, now, um, the uh, subsidy was introduced um, uh, quite some time ago, and because of the, the reason for this $2 clawback uh, is, of course, um, to at least um, you know, reduce um, the impact on the revenue. Um, but that's not the main reason. The, main, uh, the other reason is, is of course, uh, to discourage uh, a kind of indiscriminate um, um, uh, kind of uh, use of this card. Not necessarily against the law, um, because uh, for short distances, um, for example, the, the, the elderly may, 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 may like to, to walk, um, and that's good for their health as well. Uh, but then uh, if we make it entirely free, um, then, of course, uh, that encourages um, a degree of um, maybe uh, indiscriminate behavior. Now, if you look at the money, um, it's, it's not a great deal of money by comparison uh, with the overall, uh, in fact, spending on social welfare. Um, well, it could amount to 5%. The of inflation, that they're talking um, about... Um, this sorry, kind of relativity yeah. needs to be restored. Yeah, sorry, Mr Long, they were talking about it amounting to, like, by 2031, some 5% of the, uh, of the total budget, which is not nothing. I mean, um, it, it, inflation is not the only thing. Of course, if you look at the inflation, um, and then it translates into a few cents. But what I'm trying to say is this, this to restore this kind of relativity um, to at least, uh, and then uh, by uh, clawing back some money, uh, you can spend it to, uh, to, you can extend the scheme um, to, um, to lower the age to, to people 60, 64. So, um, I think, as with a lot of fees and charges in um, in, in Hong Kong, um, after the number of uh, after some period of time, um, uh, they need to be uh, readjusted. And especially, it's not just because of inflation; it's because of this extension uh, to um, uh, a larger group of elderly people. Um, and then, this day and age, I mean, one dollar is, is is really nothing. Um, so, I think that, that, that this this uh, in in total, this package of, of measures, uh, uh, I, I think, is, is, is quite appropriate. Uh, I mean, but this, I, I, I yeah. would revert back to the, the main objectives. It's not just to encourage active social life. It's to encourage elderly people to actively participate in the society. Different kinds of work, uh, including volunteering work, um, and then it's good for the economy. Yeah. Uh, this, of course, was announced uh, uh, in January uh, last year. Um, uh, you know, it hasn't come any closer to fruition uh, over, over that year. And it was announced at the same time as a whole $10 billion uh, welfare package, uh, you might remember, um, including uh, all kinds of other sweeteners yeah. related to workers' pensions right. and holidays, uh, all kinds of social welfare measures the same, amounting to $10 billion. So this massive package that was launched, you know, outside the policy address um, last year. Wasn't it really just part of that and, you know... At at the time, people said, "Is this, is this in in some way trying to, um, uh, you know, appease people after the protests?" Um, and does the government now kind of regret it and uh, is dragging its feet uh, because it wished it hadn't made this promise in the first place? Well, I don't think it's a kind of dragging its feet because there are, as you as you mentioned, there are so many elements uh, in the overall 
um, welfare package. Uh, it is not just... Uh, and the point is that this is a scheme which already is running for the over 65. All you have to do is change the date so that it applies to over 60s, and yet it's taken them a year and they've got nowhere. Well, um, I think that uh, as we've got them policies, um, a, a, a lot of the, uh, the details need to be thrashed out. Um, and, um, and, 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 and one, one important point we need to remember is that the people, the total number of elderly people aged over 60 would double uh, over the next two decades. Mm. So it's a, it's a huge kind of um, uh, challenge. On the one hand, it's a challenge, it's drag on the, uh, the revenue. On the other hand, it's a great uh, resource. Uh, people over 60 are now generally even more healthy and they expect to live longer and then to encourage them to take part in the society um, in, in different ways. And I think this uh, kind of subsidy uh, serves um, the purpose, fits the bill. Okay, a couple of comments from our listeners. Uh, TC says, uh, at short notice can think of, uh, they may need to, uh, seniors travel on peak hours, they may need to one, visit clinics or hospitals, or second, bring grandchildren to school rather than going to distant hill walks. Uh, and uh, CW says, uh, why did the government even float this idea of extending this to those uh, 60 and over down from 65 without doing their homework? Of course it will cost more and cost even more as the population ages. It's a great idea and London has the Boris Transport Pass for those residents aged over 60. Can we please have some energy from the government and get this scheme extended soon? P.S. I am 63, says, uh, says uh, CW. Uh, 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 Hung Ming Tat, does it, do, do you think the government's uh, kind of regretting this? It sounds like it. I mean, for an elderly now using this $2 scheme, they, they would ask the government, why should I be penalised? I don't think any people can uh, answer this question. And as for financial reason, of course they have sent out money to a lot of people because of the uh, coronavirus. But then, how much is the budget you're talking about from $2, $3? Um, I don't think it is uh, genuine to the, to the elderly if you do so. It means that the government is telling a message saying that if I lower it to 60, I will have to penalize this uh, existing user. I don't know how many involved. I guess the existing 65 or above would have number, outnumber the, the now being uh, the 60 to 65. It means that more people will suffer from your scheme than uh, actually enjoying the scheme. It is totally a failure of the, the policy they implement this. So, so what do you think uh, the government can do now? I mean, I mean by increasing the uh, basic fare to $3, I mean, is that enough? to, to uh, sort of uh, keep the scheme uh, sustainable? Uh, the the so-called sustainability, financial sustainability, is not a, um, a thing that you concern in here because there's no income. The government has to pay out it from the general uh, tax revenue. Uh, I don't think this expenditure, this increase in expenditure is uh, unaffordable by the government. Look at it, you've got loads of money still, although we, 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 we have uh, spent quite a lot because of coronavirus. Uh, they said our society cannot afford this 
incremental increase to uh, grant the, our elderly who contribute so much to the society a little bit more. That is what uh, the society has to ask. I don't think they can pass the electrical if they propose such a scheme in the electrical. Even the electrical has no pandemic people in there. Uh, even the existing government legislator would not accept that sort of scheme by, by uh, putting people, existing elderly, to suffer. Okay, Howard on Facebook says, I'd be very happy to pay $3 to get to Central from my home rather than the current $21.60. Bring it on. Yeah, uh, of course, if you are, you are not the existing user, of course you welcome it. I mean, if you're 60 to 65, you definitely uh, uh, welcome and praise with it and, and praise the government's good deeds. But for ex- as I said, for existing users, 65 or above, they will condemn it. But do they have any salary increase? You, I ask you, do, does these people, you're talking about inflation, they have no pay. How can they have any inflation um, subsidy? I mean, you, you have to think from their point of view if they have no pay, they have, you have increased them from $2, $3, a whole 30-odd percent increase. Where do they get the, the money? It's only a dollar extra. Yeah, only a dollar extra, but for elderly, if you have no income, if they're already low-income group getting subsidy from government. So does the government going to um, revise the subsidy up, Social Security up? Is that what, what Dr. Law is talking about? So, as I said, how, how do you uh, explain to these people they have to be penalised? All right, uh, we're running out of time, but uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Hung, uh, for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Hung Wing Tat, an honorary fellow of the Hong Kong Society of Transportation Studies. He is also an associate professor at the University of Hong Kong Civil Engineering Department. And uh, Mr. Leung, I know you'll stay with us for a little longer, so we can talk more after the news summary. If you want to ask questions on any of those aspects we've uh, been talking about, give us a call. Our number is 233-88266. And uh, now the weather forecast. Mainly cloudy, sunny periods later, with uh, highs of around 20 degrees. One or two light rain patches at night, winds moderate to fresh easterlies. Right now it's 18 degrees and the relative humidity is 66%. We lost. A dozen members of the U.S. National Guard have been removed from helping to protect the inauguration following a vetting process. The Pentagon said at least two of them were suspected of possible sympathy with anti-government groups, but the others had been flagged up for different reasons. About 25,000 guardsmen are expected to be on duty in Washington. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Wednesday morning with Hugh Chiverton and me, Janice Wong. We now continue with our discussion on elderly transport subsidy. In the first half of the program, we discussed the benefits brought about by the transport concession and the need to adjust the $2 flat rate. And of course, we want to hear your thoughts, your questions and your comments. We'll do our best to read out anything we get from you. Our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Our telephone number is 23388266. And our Facebook page is backchat at rthk radio 3. Uh, as I mentioned, we've got a, quite a few uh, emails on the subject of uh, COVID. Uh, as ever, we do our best to read out your comments, but uh, we do have to edit for length uh, sometimes. Uh, Magnus, that applies to you. Uh, and uh, also... Uh, uh, sometimes we do edit if we consider uh, emails to be uh, abusive. OK, well, uh, we've got a kind of a response to that uh, from uh, Bowen, who says, Dear Backchat, uh, he, I read out an email from him uh, first thing this morning. Bowen says, I can appreciate Hugh's sensibilities in deleting the adjective yobbish. That's because I dropped the word yobbish from Bowen's email. I used before the comment made by Herman about my previous message. Hugh meant well, he didn't want squabbles to escalate. But I used the word yobbish for good cause. The three frequently thuggy and half-baked comments made by some on Backchat should not be encouraged. Leslie-Anne R says, Dear Backchat, I totally blame the government for the sharp rise in cases. Uh, if outdoor sporting activities and beaches were open where transmission is negligible, then we wouldn't be herded into crowded shopping malls and indoor parties where transmission is rife. It's also ridiculous to close restaurants at night. They should be open with four to a table to spread the load of people utilising them. Finally, why are we not vaccinating? Uh, why are we not vaccinating now instead of waiting for another month? Other countries have been rolling them out for weeks. That's from uh, Leslie. Anne. Uh, Rick says, responding to the uh, Australian academic we had yesterday, Hong Kong has been partially on lockdown for months. I mean, the Aussie guy talking about locking down like it's the answer to all our problems. Uh, Martin says, what is it with Maoist Matthew asking every day if person A or B will voluntarily get the Sinovac vaccine? Fortunately, this will be each person's individual choice here in Hong Kong, as most likely we'll have all major vaccines available here. Here are some more details to ponder. In mainland China, over 10 million people have been vaccinated. As we all know, Sinovac is a traditionally made vaccine following a safe, proven process using inactivated virus. China is the only country in the world which currently supports poorer countries and the global south with vaccine deliveries. The West hasn't delivered a single dose. BioNTech's vaccine uses a completely new mRNA process. As for its efficacy, in early January, scientists raised doubts about Pfizer's vaccine. The Pfizer vaccine is only 19 to 29% effective using the same method used in Brazil to evaluate the effectiveness of the Sinovac vaccine. Because of the Pfizer study, a category called suspected COVID-19 was excluded from the calculation, whereas in the Sinovac study, the group was included. To satisfy Maoist Matthews' curiosity, I prefer to get the Sinovac vaccine and will wait for it. What about Maoist Matthew? I wonder, with all the potential side effects reported for BioNTech, will he queue up to be the first to get the BioNTech vaccine in Hong Kong? That is from Martin and Magnus says, Hi. Regarding the recent increases in daily cases, first, the absolute numbers are still extremely low, as they've always been. 100 positive cases from a very heavily tested population of 7.5 million is actually a very small number indeed, particularly when considering that it's winter. As usual, perspective is important. After 12 months of various restrictions that are an inconvenience for everyone, soul-destroying and bankrupting for many hospitality business owners and damaging to school children, it's worth noting that we're still all entirely...
entirely free to have unlimited persons gather in our tiny apartments. Hooray! Only to Hong Kong's policymakers can it make any sense for it to be an offence for three persons to gather in an entirely open open air environment while it's fine for 50 persons to have a house party in a 500-square-foot apartment. Other countries limit gatherings in every setting, if at all. It's outrageous that the government here forcibly closes schools, bars, beaches, rental pleasure boats, etc. for months at a time while allowing unlimited private gatherings. The government cry that limiting private gatherings would be too difficult to police. You do not set public policy by how easy it is to police. If you were an alien freshly arrived from outer space landing in Hong Kong, you'd have to assume that something very strange is going on, whereby it's extremely dangerous to be anywhere outdoors but thankfully a certain type of indoor establishment seems to provide a wonderful sanctuary. That comes uh, from Magnus. Thank you very much indeed. Backchat at rthk.hk. Alright uh, Andrew Leung, the former Director General for Social Welfare is still with us on the programme but uh, before we get back to the discussion we have a caller. Bob, good morning. Good morning. Yes, I'm just calling about the, uh, uh, the old age scheme. Um, I declare my interest first of all I am a user thereof but the point is, the whole scheme was totally flawed, both in concept and in implementation right from the beginning. Um, in concept, I mean, it, it is non-sustainable because everybody knows we've got an increasing elderly population. So obviously the cost of the scheme is going to go up year by year by year. That's the first problem. Now, on the implementation, first of all, it's wide open to abuse because there is absolutely no reason why you cannot just go to the MTR and pick up a senior citizen's card. They don't ask to see your ID card. They don't ask anything. Anyone can get a senior citizen's octopus card. Okay? And also, there is no incentive on the transport companies whatsoever to check whether they're being abused or not. Because, you see, they get their government subsidy one way or the other. So there's no... They don't care whether you're, you're abusing the system because if you're just going through for $2, they're going to get the balance paid by the government anyway. So I have never seen anybody anywhere on a ferry or an MTR or anything actually challenge anybody about illegal use of a senior octopus card. And I mean, a lot of people I know when their elderly parents come and visit them from abroad, um, they cheerfully give them senior citizens octopus card, which is actually illegal. And I'm sure there's quite a lot of uh, foreign tourists that use them as well. So the system is absolutely wide open to abuse. Uh, I guess the abuse lies in when you use it, not when, not when you buy it. This would be the argument. Uh, I must well, say, that's, that's correct. But on the other hand, <laughs> when you buy it, is at least some sort of check, mm. isn't it? But um, well, the other thing... I was, sorry, carry on. Yeah, well, I was just saying, for, for, for a student... Uh, I know when you when students go through uh, the MTRs, it makes a different noise, doesn't it? That's so, right. Yes, it does for seniors as well. And it does for seniors as well. Yeah, the, MTR, it? the MTR staff have no incentive to challenge. Well, they do sometimes stand, but stand there and watch, yeah, don't but they? It, but it doesn't matter. To, as, as the actual financial benefit or loss to the MTR is zero because they're going to get paid the money mm. by the government, either by you or by the government. So there is no incentive on either party to check it. So that's that's my point on that. If I may jump subjects very slightly on the matter of transport policy generally and filling holes in the government exchequer, one of the things which is absolutely shameful is that vehicle registration fees in this town have not gone up for at least 10 years. I probably think it's more like 20. I mean, that's absolutely appalling. Uh, I remember back in the 1980s when there was a... We had a, a, a bit of a fiscal hole and also a problem with traffic congestion. So John Brembridge, when he was financial secretary, quadrupled vehicle registration.
registration fees and solve the problems instantly. Now, the trouble is with our government is they're terrified of the transport lobby. OK, Bob, th- thanks. For, I, I mean, uh, on the uh, cars and the registration, uh, I think we... we, we uh, uh, we probably will talk about that. I think that's the issue of uh, the number of cars on the road is, is quite an interesting one. Maybe yeah, we'll well, the government just, it just needs some guts on the government's uh, part to face off against the transport lobby and say, sorry, guys, this is how it's going to be. Okay. For, the, for fees not to have gone up for this length of time is shameful. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, t- totally separate issue. Thanks. But as I said, there's the, the trouble with the, with the present scheme, it's unsustainable, the, the old age pension scheme, unsustainable and very poorly implemented. OK, Bob, thanks very much for your, for your call. Uh, just a couple of uh, emails. Uh, G says, uh, just a small point, but an increase of $1 on $2 is not a one-third increase, as Professor Hung said, but it's a 50% increase. And yes, I'm a user. Uh, and uh, uh, D says, uh, on the uh, back on the COVID, uh, untested phase three trials underway. All government servants, including the hierarchy and all pro-government legislators, should receive the Chinese vaccine instead of Pfizer. Then we have a good sample to see what happens to them. Thanks very much indeed for that comment. Okay, so uh, Mr. Lang, we're going, we're going back to you. So, yep. so what do you think of the view expressed by the caller just now? I mean, he said transport staff are not doing enough to prevent abuse. Well, I think that these points are valid. Uh, but as far as um, possible abuse is concerned, uh, the more effective way to go about it uh, would be to increase the penalty. Um, rather than uh, sending out um, a team of, of, of policemen or whatever checking everybody, because that would be um, regarded as extremely uh, insulting and, and also um, uh, very inconvenient. So if you make it the, the penalty heavy uh, and also uh, subject to occasional checking, that would act as a deterrent. Um, the, the, the most important point is, is, is whether the whole scheme is sustainable. Bearing in mind, the, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, the people of o- over 65 uh, and uh, the number of people will, will double uh, over the next two decades. But then, um, uh, sustainability or not, this is it's not a commercial scheme. Um, there is no uh, income from it. Uh, the idea, as I said right from the beginning, is to make use of this increased, uh, increasing large number of, uh, of people. Um, who have got experience, uh, who have got um, um, uh, various other contacts, um, and most of all, uh, a lot of them are very, still very active to encourage them uh, to take a more active part in the society, uh, not only socializing, but also uh, to take part in various other activities. And some of them, uh, of course, are time-related. So I think the idea is absolutely correct. Um, not to impose a time, a time ban, um, but to um, uh, extend the, the benefit to people over 60, over 60 rather than just over 65. So I think that um, the, uh, the first point about sustainability, um, that's, we should look at, uh, look at the scheme um, in a more uh, in broader terms. But as far as enforcement is concerned, I totally agree um, that but the more effective way to go about it is to increase the penalty. I mean, another thing that's striking is that this is a, a universal benefit, isn't it? Anyone over 60 will, will get this. That seems to go against the sort of government's policy, which is against, uh, you know, universal benefits. They're, they're, they're... Well, it's not, it's 
what universal? I mean, you've got to be over 60. Yeah, but, I, but I, it's like a universal pension. They'll be against that because they'll say, well, some people just don't need it. Uh, they would they would rather spend the money on the people who are in need. Well, you know, the same thing would apply to this, this benefit. Yeah, well, I think it's got to be tied to the retirement age. Mm. Um, I'd agree that uh, as people uh, get uh, more... Uh, fiscally fit, uh, as the life expectancy is increasing, um, there is a case uh, for increasing uh, the uh, retirement age. A lot of people who are 60 uh, would prefer to continue working. Uh, in this case, uh, if they continue to work, um, and then the whole scheme could be uh, re-examined. But as far as the retirement age is 60, there is a great deal of, of, of argument for extending the scheme to people who are actually uh, retired. Yeah, I mean, you get very mixed signals, don't you, from the administration on uh, on, on the retirement issue, uh, and you know, and when people are assumed to retire. Sometimes it's the implication is at sixty. Sometimes it's, the implication is at sixty-five. No, I think that there was um, some uh, uh, ideas being you know, floated, um, and in fact, that this is a, a kind of phenomenon um, worldwide, not just in Hong Kong. Um, I think people who are 60 are still, a lot of them are, are still uh, act, uh, physically fit. Mm. Um, and then um, more and more of them uh, would like to continue working. Um, so I think that um, uh, it, it is, 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 is a question we need to look at. But of course, we need to balance that, uh, whether or not it's going to block the kind of promotion prospects uh, of um, up-and-coming younger um, um, workers. Um, so I think that it's, it's not just simple, it's, uh, simple as that, just extend the retirement age. But uh, the idea of adjusting the retirement age, um, I think, has been talked about and, and, and it needs to be re-examined. All right. Uh, thank you, Mr. Long, for joining us this morning. Um, yeah, sorry, just one, one, one more question. I mean, yeah. do, you think, do you think that, uh, is this a good idea? Because if, if you're going to treat 65 as the retirement age, uh, then you should stick to that and you should treat those between age between 60 and 65 like you do with, um, you know, young people. Uh, in what respect are they different? I mean, uh, but I'm not saying that we should extend the retirement age immediately to 65. I mean, you can extend it to 62 or 63. Um, the, the reality then, is, and, surely, and, that, that, yeah. that, that, that and, most and, people and, now retire at 65. I mean, even even government recruits for the last you yeah. know, 10 years or 20 years or something have been yeah. assumed to retire at 65. Yeah. So really, the, the age is 65. So why this peculiar benefit for those aged 60 to 65? I think if people are working um, 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 in full-time employment um, uh, at the age of 60, um, there is some argument to, um, uh, to modify the scheme and not to um, enable them to benefit from this uh, concession. Um, uh, but, I, but my point is that it's got to be looked at in the context uh, of the retiring age uh, and also uh, how to make use of this body of people um, who, who are still you know, able-bodied, um, but then because they retire, um, how to encourage them to take a more active part in society. And after all, it's beneficial to the economy, as I said, if, if they travel around, you know, go, going to have um, dinners and, and, and lunches with their friends, um, it's ultimately will benefit the economy. All right. Uh, thank you, Mr. Leung, for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Andrew Leung, the former Director General for Social Welfare. It's uh, now 18 minutes past nine, and uh, we want to turn to our final topic this morning, to the current employment situation, as the latest unemployment figure reached 6.6%. 6 
the highest in 16 years. The latest jobless figure, which covered the three-month period from October to December last year, was up 0.3 percentage point from the 6.3% for the three months ending November. To discuss the unemployment situation, we're now joined by Liberal Party leader Felix Chung. Good morning and thanks for joining us. Good morning. So, uh, Mr Chung, how bad is the uh, job market right now? Do you think the uh, latest figures uh, reflect the real picture? No. The 6.6% is actually not reflecting the real figure or the real situations. Uh, partly because the, the figure is not updated. And the other thing is there are so many uh, employees are having low pay leave, which means they are not being laid off, but they have no income, actually. So um, under the situations, the unemployment um, uh, rate is actually, I believe that is, is more than 6.6%, maybe up to 8% already. But, uh, of course, the government just didn't want to have uh, a very scary figures. But um, the Social Welfare Secretary, Lodge Gong, already admitted that the, the unemployment rate will be increasing um, uh, maybe before or after Chinese New Year. Do you think the situation in this uh, current fourth wave is worse than in the uh, third wave? Oh, certainly yes. Certainly yes. But, well, I mean, when we had the third wave, wave um, the, the government having some uh, policy like uh, the ESS, um, that helps a lot to the employers um, which still can survive and not uh, firing any people, uh, but I mean now the the government is refusing to have another ESS. I really don't understand why the government not doing something when they are expecting the unemployment rate is going to rise. Uh, if you have aware there's a problem in in, in France, I, I don't understand why they they are not thinking of anything to solve the problem or. Or, or just contain the problem to to expand. So um, all the political parties already have some consensus on, on asking the government to have at least one more uh, term of ESS. And we also agreed to have a short-term unemployment fund to help those uh, unemployed. If you think about now we have the vaccine coming, and uh, a lot of the expert, the, the economic expert or the medical med- medical expert, already saying that the economy of Hong Kong may be recovered in the third quarter. So we are, we are, we are having six months of problem at this moment. So if the government can spend some more money to um, to help this coming six months, I mean that doesn't cost too much, and we can do the calculation very easily. Right. The, the government has so far not been keen on introducing any unemployment subsidies. I mean, if I mean, how likely do you think the government will introduce another round of ESS? I don't know. Right now, they are still um, have no plan. But we, we just make some simple calculations. One... Um, section of ESS costs about 40 billion Hong Kong dollars. And if we um, 
if they allow to launch some sort of short-term unemployment fund, and we we make a very simple, uh, simple calculations. For example, we are talking about three hundred thousand of unemployed person people in Hong Kong right now, and everybody if you subsidize them seven thousand Hong Kong dollars for six months, it only costs twelve billion Hong Kong dollars. So if the government um, plan to do that. I mean, that costs only 50 billion Hong Kong dollars, which is affordable at all without any problems. I mean, so I, I really don't understand why the do, government do you, still have the money and lot well, spending that. Well, isn't that because of isn't that because of the demands of the uh, the employers? Uh, I mean, you know, I'm kind of surprised that a Liberal Party is asking for uh, for for unemployment benefit. Um, it, but, I mean, is, is, is that short term? Well, yeah, sure, term. sure. But isn't that an indication that the that the uh, that the the ESS, uh, which benefited uh, employers directly rather than the than the employees, uh, was a mistake? That was the wrong way to go about it. We should have been giving money to the people, not to the bosses. No, that. Well, I mean, that, that's why we agreed both uh, scenarios: the ESS and the short term unemployment. I mean, um, those for the ESS is helping those uh, already have a job in that particular um, corporations, and the, the short-term unemployment fund is helping those already have no jobs. So, I mean, these are two scenarios that we can both go ahead without any contradictions. Okay. Uh, is there a danger that, though, that if you start giving people unemployment benefit, they will get used to it and they will want it, they will want it longer term? Well, this is why we are saying that it's just a short term for six months. Especially, as I explained earlier, have we expect the economy can be recovered in the third quarter. So we are just um, having six months' time. So, I mean, if the government just give up a short term of six months of unemployment fund, I mean, after that, when the economy recover, the situations get back to normal, um, or, or certain certain uh, trade, for example, like the the tourism industries got the banks back. I mean, I mean, that, then you don't have to think about that again. Yeah, what about that idea of, of supporting certain industries? That's been the the approach so far, hasn't it? And if you look, you know, as you say, certain uh, sectors are, are hit much worse than others. They're talking about an early fourteen percent rate of unemployment in the food and beverage. Yes. So that's 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 extremely well, high. You know, so for, so that, fund them, support support it, give the money where it's needed. No, for for, for example, you just mentioned about the catering business. Or, or even the retail or, or the wholesale business. I mean, so the, the unemployment situation um, for them is actually part of the policy made by the government. If you, if you think about why can um, the restaurants cannot be open after 6 p.m., if, if you allow them to have two people per table, um, let them open until, for example, 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. I mean, you don't need, the government do not need to give them the subsidies or, or compensations at all. Or, for example, the building industries, I mean, there's, they have done nothing wrong. I mean, the, the government already is saying that they follow the instructions of the governments 
on uh, the protection of everything, but they forced them to close down. Sure, I mean nobody's done anything wrong. It's not it's not anybody's fault. It's just the uh, it, it's the COVID, isn't it? There's, there's nothing anyone. Well, yes, yes, of course. The the biggest problem is the COVID. Uh, uh, but, but do you but think? You, you, but, but the government has to understand the situation of every industry. For example, um, then they they stop um, 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 the 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 the. the Farmers are selling the plants or flowers during the Chinese New Year time or before the Chinese New Year time. They, when they understand the situation, they just let them to reopen that. In um, uh, they reopen that again, right? Hmm. I mean, so so the government have to understand this, the the situation of different trades. By the, yeah, do you think that's the right decision? By the way, to keep the flower markets. Yes, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean. Um, if you have uh, a steady control on the number of people that go into the flower market, um, I mean, the situation happened when they said they closed down the flower market. Everybody just go to um, uh, the flower street in Mokok. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that, that, that create another problem in that area. Okay. Uh, and do you think that this is, if this is all caused by COVID, do you think when COVID goes away, that the unemployment will uh, uh, will fall again. That uh, this is all just a, a passing problem, really. Or do you think, I, that, I, do you think well, there's something course, more fundamental? Yes, I, I, I think I agree with that. Uh, for example, again, I, I always make this as an example: the tourism industries. All the all the company from the tourist industry have zero income for um, a year. That's because of the closing down of the border. If the border opened that up. I mean, everybody can uh, can travel around the world again. I mean, then the tourism industry will not have that difficulties. Okay. Well, Felix Jung, thank you very much indeed for for joining us this morning, uh, leader of the uh, Liberal Party. Uh, just ended with a couple of uh, a couple of emails. Uh, one from uh, Magnus, uh, first of all. Uh, who says uh, if even 10% of the $88 billion of public money that the government chose to donate to the big end of town via the egregious employment support scheme had not been wasted in that way, then every single elderly person in Hong Kong could be given $5,000. That would provide for quite a lot of subsidised travel. That's uh, from Magnus, tying together uh, <laughs> both our themes uh, this morning. And uh, CW uh, finally says, for overseas guests, uh, it's legal for overseas visitors to use the senior card as long as they are 65 uh, or over. That is uh, from uh, Colin. Thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, many thanks again to our guests in the first half of the program and also to all of you who commented. And we now leave you with the weather. Uh, mainly cloudy, sunny periods later with highs of around 20 degrees. One or two light rain patches at night. Winds moderate to fresh easterlies, occasionally strong offshore at first. Forecasters say it will be mainly cloudy again tomorrow with one or two rain patches. The weather will improve towards the weekend. Right now it's 18 degrees, relative humidity 65%. To prevent pneumonia and respiratory tract infection, always keep hands clean and wash hands for at least 20 seconds. Put the lid down before flushing. Add water to U-traps regularly. Cover your mouth and nose with a tissue when sneezing or coughing. Wear a mask and seek medical advice promptly if unwell. Fully cover your nose, mouth and chin with a mask. Visit chp.gov.hk to learn more. 
It's 9.31, the news with Samantha Butler. The president of the Medical Association has cautioned against optimism over the coronavirus vaccines. Dr Choi Kin estimates only about 20% of Hong Kong's population will get inoculated unless the government reassures people about the efficacy of the vaccines. Donald Trump has released a brief recorded farewell message as his presidency draws to a close. With less than 24 hours until Joe Biden is inaugurated, Mr Trump said he was proud of his achievements while in office. And the outgoing U.S. administration has formally declared that Beijing's actions against Uyghurs in Xinjiang province amount to genocide and crimes against humanity. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Hello. How are you? Not too bad at all. Good morning. Hello. You never Facebook chat with me, Phil. Good morning. He's got the Tom and Jerry type violence. It's a great experience if you just want to get a bit of zing. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Hello, good morning, and welcome to Wednesday. It's the Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan. Well, what better to do when locked up in quarantine than return to Morning Brew and talk about all things classical music? Well, that's exactly what composer conductor Colin Tutchin is going to do at 10.10 after seemingly enjoying himself bizarrely last week. So today, in 1841, the British occupied Hong Kong, and Colin's going to give you a classical kind of top of the props for that year. You know, stuff like Beethoven was 12 or whatever he was, the saxophone wouldn't be invented for another five years and all that kind of stuff. Bit of fun. Anyway, at 10.40, we're going to find out how to have a shark-free wedding. Well, it shouldn't be too hard, right? Just don't order it. But apparently not. So I'm going to welcome Andrea Ritchie from the Hong Kong Shark Foundation, along with co-organiser of their upcoming virtual wedding fair, Olivia Chan. Philippe Dovar will be with me at 11.40 for more news and music. And Chris Watts awaits you at his Motion Dynamics studio after 12. Join us on Facebook Live on and off today. Talks like June, eh, eh, eh. 